I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. I mean, I've had women come into my therapy practice in their sixth, seventh decade of life being like, done it all, raised the kids, went to Ivy League schools, getting their MBAs, money in the bank. I kind of like my spouse. I still work out. I go to Soul Cycle. I'm on all these boards. I'm doing all this charity work. Why do I feel so empty? And I'm like, because nobody friggin' knows you because you built your life on checking boxes that someone else constructed that told you that this was what a good life is. And in doing that, so much of the time, it's saying yes when you want to say no. So much of the time, it's people-pleasing. And so you get to the end towards, you know, more of the evening of life, and there's an existential loneliness. It's so sad to not be known. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast, the show for ambitious women ready to get off the hot mess express. I know you've got a lot going on. You work so hard. You're raising an incredible family, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. I'm your host, Michelle Grosser. I'm a certified master life coach, attorney, wife, and mom. And years ago, I was right where you are. I was running a busy law practice while raising a family, and I was on the fast track to burnout. I thought I just needed to be more organized or have better routines, but it was learning how to heal and regulate my nervous system that expanded my capacity to gracefully hold more of this big, beautiful life. You too are worthy of an extraordinary life in and beyond motherhood. Learning to be a calm, anchoring presence in your home and at work is going to be your superpower. If you're here to do the inner work that brings a sense of calm amidst the chaos, I'm here to join you on that journey. Each time you press play, your growth continues. So let's get at it. You're listening to the Calm Mom Podcast. It's Michelle here, your master coach. 
Thank you for joining us today. I'm really, really excited about this episode. Today we have a conversation with Terry Cole. And Terry is just such a legend in this space of mental wellness. She's a licensed psychotherapist. She's had practice in New York City um, for years. She's a global relationship and empowerment expert. She's also the author of her new book, Boundary Boss, The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. For over two decades, she's worked with so many different groups and clients. She works. She's worked with stay-at-home moms. She's worked with celebrities. She's worked with Fortune 500 CEOs. And I just love this conversation because Terry really has such a gift for making these complex psychological concepts just so accessible and so actionable. So I know that you're going to find value in this conversation today. Enjoy. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast. Today, I'm so excited to introduce our guest. We've got Terry Cole with us. Terry, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. So we're going to talk about quite a few things. Just before we hit record, I'm like, what do you want to talk about? She's like, man, I'm gonna, I'll teach you. I'll teach your people about all the things. And before we jump into that, I'm excited to, to talk about it. For those who aren't familiar with you or your work, just kind of let people know about you, about yourself. Well, let's say I've been a licensed psychotherapist for 25 years. Before that, I was a talent agent representing like negotiating contracts or like supermodels and celebrities. So it's kind of was a different world, but not really, because it's for me, it's all about mental health, you know, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Mm-hmm. I got out of that career because I just couldn't deny that my calling was something different. Mm-hmm. And that was a little, a little tricky to leave a career where I was making a ton of cash. And I was kind of at the top of my game, according to my father, who, when I told him I was quitting my job to go to NYU to become a therapist, he was like, sounds weird. (laughs) I was like, thanks for that vote of confidence, Dad. Um, Luckily, I didn't need anything from him to do it. I mean, he eventually got on board, but I've always been fascinated with mental wellness. I got into therapy when I was 19. I stopped drinking when I was 21. And so... That really changed my life. And I just couldn't believe that being in therapy, knowing myself, understanding myself, looking at family background, original injuries, all this stuff gave me the power to change Mm -hmm. my life. And I was like, why isn't everybody doing this? This is the most amazing thing ever. Like so awesome. So I've always been very passionate about mental wellness And then opened a big private practice for many years. I had three different locations in New York City. And then I realized that I wanted to reach more people. Mm. And like really my dharma, my my purpose in life is as many people as possible to teach them how to lessen their own suffering Mm. and increase their own joy. Mm. So it's not like me doing it for them, right? It's literally teaching people to do it for themselves because there's so much you have so much power yes that you don't realize you know and i want to point out like the things that you could be doing and teach so that's basically what i do ended up writing my first book in what year did it come out two years ago it came out so i finished it in 2020 came out in 2021 we're coming up on the big two-year anniversary (laughs) and that's a book on boundaries Mm -hmm. called boundary boss and people always ask me, why boundaries? Like, yeah. why that book? You know, of all the things I could have written about. And I always say, because I was such a boundary disaster 
And it was so effing painful and negatively impacting my relationships and my relationship with myself. And, and I didn't realize for so long that that's why I was so resentful. Mm-hmm. I was over-functioning, over-giving, overdoing. I was a high-functioning codependent, but I didn't know it. So I was like, I can't believe how entitled other people are. Wow, what idiots, you know? And then through Yeah, all the fingers pointing out <laughs> at the other people. But in learning and learning what boundaries are, mm-hmm. how to establish them, how to enforce them, how to how to communicate them. Mm-hmm. And then I really just made the whole genre itself my own because 25 years in the foxhole in the trenches with clients making in complicated information accessible is definitely one of my superpowers because if you read this book if you can read you can go from being a boundary disaster to being a boundary boss simply by reading the book you know like i i wasn't like read this book and then do these other 97 things it was like literally read this book in order and i will teach you how to become fluent in the language of boundaries ah oh, yes i think that boundaries to me, are are the most powerful probably form of self care that we can really yeah. have. Like we hear self care thrown around so often, and I'm like, man, it always comes down to the boundaries. Like it really is around our time and our bandwidth and our energy and all of these things. I also think that boundaries are quite misunderstood, right? <laughs> Enforcing them and, and their value. So let's harness your superpower right now mm-hmm. and just kind of share with the listeners, like, what are healthy boundaries and maybe ways in which we be- feel like we're a mess because we actually have poor boundaries and we're not, we, or we're kind of blind to that. Right. Well, let's start with, I'll give you my definition or the way that I want you to think about them. I want you to think about your own personal boundaries as your own personal rules of engagement. It lets other people know what's okay with you and what's not okay with you. Now, your boundaries are comprised of your preferences your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers, right? The non-negotiables. And this applies to every part of your life. Mm -hmm. Your preferences matter. Your limits matter. Your deal breakers matter. But here's the thing. It's not enough to know them. And most people don't because they don't know how to think about them. They don't know how to understand their preferences, limits, and deal breakers. But we can break that down. But it's not enough to just know them. We have to know them and then have the skills to clearly communicate them to others in our life. Yeah. I was even thinking about it when you're sharing your story about going to become a therapist and your dad's dad's opinion. Like that's a boundary too. And like, what do I do with this information that come at, comes at me? So let's talk about that. Like knowing your boundaries. If people are unsure where to even mm-hmm. start with this, like how does one come to come to know like, okay, this is a boundary or this is something that's important to me where I should draw a boundary? Well, part there's two ways. So let's start with the way that I teach it to you in the book and in my course. Um, that's I actually have a boundary bootcamp course coming up is we start with doing an okay and not okay list. So we do a pretty extensive list where it's usually easier to to identify the not okay, but in every area of life from our physical, our environment, to the way that we're relating in our relationships, to how we're relating to money, to how we relate to our own physical wellness, like every part of life, what's okay and what's not okay, because that'll give you a a place. It's like taking this inventory of giving you a place to start 
Another thing, if we're looking specifically at boundaries, like relational boundaries, boundaries and relationships, mm-hmm. is I always have my clients do a resentment inventory. Okay. Tell me. So we just start by writing down, you I mean, literally going through the VIPs in your life. And they don't even have to be VIPs to be pissing you off, but or to be trampling on your boundaries. But where are you holding resentment and for whom? Mm. So we name the people. Okay, so maybe I'm holding resentment for my sister because I volunteered to watch her kids two days a week, but now it's becoming too much of a burden to do that. So you write down what the thing is, how you feel. I feel resentful. I feel like she's taking advantage of me. Even if you offer, you can still have these feelings, right? They don't have to quote unquote, make sense or be logical, right? Because you could say, well, if you offered, why are you feeling resentful? Well, because it's too much and I overgave and I should have done less. And then the last column is potential boundaries that you can put in place that will lessen your resentment. So in that example, we might say, Um, I need to lovingly tell my sister that I can only do one day a week with the kids Mm -hmm. because my schedule has changed and two is too much for what I have on my plate right now. And this gives us a place to start where we go. And listen, if you don't have the answer, if you don't have the third column, maybe you don't know what to do. That's okay. It's so powerful to just identify the truth about how you're feeling because many of us we don't want to feel resentful. Mm-hmm. That's like the shadow part. They, we want to like gloss it over and we want to do what I was doing, right? We want to point out yeah. to be like, no, really, it's about my sister being entitled. I'm the victim here. Right. And the truth is when you become more fluent in the language of boundaries and in understanding your boundaries, you realize that, you know, as as we say in the rooms, you know, there's no victims, only volunteers. Mm. When it comes to this stuff, So, and listen, of course, there are exceptions to every rule, but I'm talking about relationships that are voluntary and how I see those relationships. That's every relationship in your life, except your relationship with minor children. Because you said you you did that. You got to stay with them until they're at least 18. But everyone else, be clear that if you have family members that are bad for your health, that are toxic, that are narcissistic, that are abusive, that are manipulative, simply because they're family does not mean you should give them unfettered access to your most tender heart, right? No matter who they are, if they show that they are emotionally untrustworthy people, we need to keep them at an appropriate distance. I talk quite a bit about your VIP section, right? So in your life, like who gets to be in the VIP section of your life? Now, people, when we go through this exercise, people will be like, well, obviously my family. I'm like, well, I don't know. It doesn't have to be obvious. Let's let's actually tease that out. And let's look at who is emotionally trustworthy enough to be close to you. Where's mutuality? Right? Who fills up your bucket and you fill up their bucket? How many obligatory are sitting in your VIP section who should be in the mezzanine? This is what we need to figure out. And it's okay. I'm not saying you have to cut off from every one of these people. I'm saying, but this is where boundaries come in. 
where if your third cousin once removed is like, you know what, Michelle, you're my best friend. You're my best friend. And you're like, dude, I barely know you and wouldn't even invite you to anything. Like I don't, you know, and they're devastated because you're not going to invite them to your bachelorette party in Vegas. And your mother's like, you should just let Susie come, you know? No, ma'am. If you do not want Susie at your bachelorette party, no. Her reality right? Susie's reality, because we've all been in this situation. Dude, if you've read my book, I was a bridesmaid eight times in my twenties. Okay. I should have not done four of those weddings. So listen, no, trust me when I'm talking about this, you guys, I use humor, but I am not judging you because I was literally the worst of the worst. But think about it this way. When we're allowing someone else's reality, cousin Susie's reality, that you're best friends, quote unquote, to her, If that isn't true for you, when we are people pleasers, when we're high functioning codependents, which we're going to get to, it's like it for me. Why did I say yes to being in all those weddings in my 20s? I couldn't, I had no idea how to say no. I was supposed to be honored. They're like, you're my closest friend. I'm like, if I had a housewarming party, you literally would not be number 400 on the list. How could I possibly be your best friend? But then instead of being honest, and I wouldn't have to be mean, right? Being unavailable, saying lovingly, saying it's too much for me to do. I said yes. And then resentfully executed those, you know, those duties, right? And then went to weddings I didn't want to go to with people who, wait, do you think those people are in my life now, decades later? Of course they're not. So who was I doing that for? Why? Because I was so uncomfortable having an uncomfortable conversation that I would I was more willing to be uncomfortable for like a year in the process of coming up to the weddings than just having one hard conversation. And that's how liberating becoming fluent in boundaries can be for you. I do this all the time. A, a quick example, somebody yesterday my husband is terrible. He, he's like a, the nicest guy in the world, but a total pushover. So he's an artist. And people will always say, I mean, he's like a well-known artist. Like he does, you know, the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Like, And people see our house and we have paintings and stuff all over of his work. And this guy who we're buying like something from for our house is like, oh yeah, I brought some pictures of my wife. I told her that I was going to ask you if you would draw, do a painting of her. I'm like, yeah, no. Now, he would, first of all, do you have $52,000? Because that's what that would cost. Okay. You do not, guy who's installing something in my basement. But also, my husband is so bad at saying no. So I now just literally, now this is, of course, me just whatever, but jump in front and go, you know, it's interesting. Vic actually doesn't do personal stuff like that. Um, That's like not his th- stuff. It's more like corporate stuff. So he will never have to have a conversation because trust me, I've sat by and said nothing. And there's been so many vanity projects that he wanted to blow his brains out because he had to do where the person's like, that's not what my kid looks like. He's like, dude, that is absolutely what your kid looks like. But he wouldn't say that, right? So anyway, long way around the barn (laughs) to get back to how boundaries can spare you pain and suffering. So, and I feel like, did I don't know, did did I even answer the question? I hope I did. So what I hear in that, well, first of all, it's just so, it's so complex and complicated. You, you wrote a book about it, obviously. So I understand how you could write, you know, give an answer to, to a question and be like, did I even go there? And I think a lot of what I'm hearing too, is like, we set, we think we, 
we figure this out. We need to set a boundary. We have this realization and we think we're going to change someone else's behavior. And I think that what I'm hearing from you is that that's part of taking our power back is that we're actually lowering our level of access, right? That we grant someone else to us, which is so powerful and such an opportunity to step out of victim, like you were saying, and, mm-hmm. and into vulnerability or into, you know, something else, um, which has, which, which serves us so much better. Yes. But you made a great point that it's, I feel like one of the misunderstandings about boundaries is that it's sort of like, and the way I see it misused on social media and people talking about it, that it's like a lever to control the behavior of others. But what it really is, it's an opportunity to take responsibility to control ourselves, to be honest, to talk true, right? As the subtitle of my book says, so that we're not misleading Mm. the people in our life. And when you think about your preferences, your limits and your deal breakers, which is what I consider your boundaries, they're not just the things that make up your boundaries. They're also the things that make you uniquely you. Mm. And so under the guise of being nice, so much of the time, we'll say yes to something when we'd rather say no we don't tell someone the truth that we didn't like something or we didn't, whatever the thing is. And again, this umbrella of being nice, we were, most of us, let's be honest, we were raised and praised for being self-abandoning codependents. That's it. We were. The more self-sacrificing, the better. Yep. Right. The, The more loving, generous, kind, but especially being raised as a woman, Yes, it's like, That is what femininity in our society, that's what we were taught, Mm -hmm. that we need to be all self-sacrificing. Like that's what it's about. That's the trip. What I've found in 25 years of being a psychotherapist is that the only thing that that self-abandonment leads to, that perpetual self-abandonment is like bitter land. Like that's it. It's like a train that has one stop. And eventually you become a bitter martyr. Now, nobody, think about this. Every mother or grandmother that you can think of in your mind, stereotypically that you know yourself, who's kind of like a martyr, like after everything I've done for you, like why isn't anyone doing for me or whatever? You don't think that when they were 25, they were like, can't wait to grow up to be a martyr. No, it happens over time with this repeated self-abandonment putting other people's desires, wants, feelings, needs above our own. And then we're like, why doesn't anyone think of me? Oh, because you trained them not to. That's why. I'm positive. I know exactly why. Have you ever caught yourself wondering why you do the things you do? Like, why do you get so angry and yell at your kids when they're moving at a snail's pace in the morning? Or why is it so hard to relax when the house is a mess? If so, you've got to take my personality patterns quiz. Because here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. And over time, those defenses became a habit. And then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is really actually often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? 
there's five different personality patterns. And they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, but rather they describe the safety strategy that you immediately go to when you start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who you are, but rather what's actually blocking who you are. And the good news is that once you take the quiz and you learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern and then live and parent as your true and authentic self. So click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two-minute personality patterns quiz. So for those of us who are, and I resonate so much with all of this, I mean, I can think back to moments where I've been I don't know, like on a a long car ride with other people, right? And heaven forbid, I express that I have to stop and go to the bathroom and I'll like hold it for four. And I get there and I'm like, what are you, like, what is wrong with you? And it's just this this conditioning of putting my needs aside and the people pleasing and codependency and all these things. So one, it's an awareness, right? Like for people, people are probably having some light bulb moments now as Mm -hmm. they listen. And as that's starting to come through, Setting a boundary is obviously very uncomfortable if you're someone with a pattern of people pleasing and this codependency. So how are some ways, maybe first off, some some very simple shifts in thinking about setting boundaries, right? Where I'm mm-hmm. not being rude. I don't have to, I have to release their their response to the boundary that I set. Like all mm-hmm. these things we can do to kind of prime ourselves. And then maybe just some ideas you have for like where to start and setting new boundaries because it is going to be super uncomfortable and mm-hmm. awkward at first. And that's okay. Right. Well, let's start with, we have to, we start in before we can go out. Okay. So we have to start with ourselves and we have to really get with the fact that what you think, how you feel, what you want needs to matter to you the most. Mm. So it needs to matter to you what you feel, how you, you know, what you want and what you think more than anyone else, more than your partner or your parents, more than kids, more than friends, more than literally anyone. And I'm going to tell you why. That doesn't mean that we can't compromise because you will. If you expect to have a long-term relationship, of course you're going to compromise. It means that we must value what we think, how we feel, and what we want mm-hmm. above all other things mm. because we're the only one who can. We can always choose to compromise, to do something different, to, I don't really feel like doing that, but my partner really wants to. And so I'll do it and I'll do it lovingly because I want them to get what they want. None of knowing your boundaries. And prioritizing what you think, how you feel, and what you want, that doesn't make you somehow some selfish beast, right? It's expecting other people to do that for us. That is the setup for failure for everybody because they can't, because they don't even know. I mean, I've had women come into my therapy practice in their sixth, seventh decade of life being like, done it all. Raised the kids, went to Ivy League schools, getting their MBAs, money in the bank. I kind of like my spouse. I still work out. I go to Soul Cycle. I'm on all these boards. I'm doing all this charity work. Why do I feel so empty? And I'm like, because nobody friggin' knows you, because you built your life on checking boxes that someone else constructed. 
that told you that this was what a good life is. And in doing that, so much of the time it's saying yes when you want to say no. So much of the time it's people pleasing. And so you get to the end towards, you know, more of the evening of life. And there's an existential loneliness. It's so sad to not be known. It's so painful. It's terrible. So you guys can avoid that. And I would really like to help you avoid that because that is no fun. And your preferences are not a burden. You having the pee is not a burden, dude. Right. Right? Yes. No. Let us be a team. Let's let's be a part of it. Your preferences, when we share our preferences, instead of going along to get along, we're literally giving the people in our life accurate data about who we are. They remember those things about us the same way we do about everybody else. But when we say yes, when we want to say no, the biggest tragedy in all of this with disordered boundaries is that how can anyone authentically love you if you never let them authentically know you right right Mm. you know yeah and then we kind of in my mind too like just flipping that like there are so many people that I love so deeply because they've given me an opportunity to know them and see them and think that there are other people that want to know me that same way if I'll allow them it's it's really a, a gift almost that I'm giving them Of course it is. And what it does is it deepens intimacy. And the thing is, if we don't figure out this boundary thing, a lot of times we end up with a lot of surface relationships that are very polite and they can be very conjovial, you know, like, like nice and conjovial. Is that the word I want to say? You know what I mean? They can, they can be nice and, you know, but are they sad, deeply satisfying? Right. Not if someone doesn't know you. And the thing is, what makes you unique are your preferences, your limits, and your deal breakers, right? Your original thoughts, even if it goes against the grain, even if other people don't agree with you, this is what makes you you. And that really is what the world needs, right? We need your original thoughts. We need your problem-solving skills. We need you not at the most polite, but you at your most raw, you know? real that's what we talk about when we talk about authenticity right it's just like you were created for a purpose yeah Yeah. i think so often with um boundaries too as i'm hearing you talk about this is that people think about boundaries and setting them with other people and i would love if you could speak Mm -hmm. about boundaries we set with ourselves (laughs) and how i think that goes to a lot of the self-abandonment and just like learning to trust ourselves If if we have no boundaries with ourselves it's really hard to trust ourselves Yes. And side note of disordered boundaries. Okay. If you're a people pleaser, trust me when I tell you, the people in your life know it. Yeah. You are not an emotionally trustworthy person because you are saying yes when you want to say no. And they know it. They yeah. feel it. They Maybe you do the thing anyway, even though you didn't want to, but your energy is there. I have, I love my people pleaser friends. I'm so friends with them. But when they're like, oh my God, I'll definitely be there. I say to my husband, well, that's about a 48% chance she's coming. <laughs> she just can't, she doesn't know how to say no. So I, I don't, I don't know if she's coming actually. Maybe it's like 50, 50. We'll see what happens. Like, so I have people in my life. I can accept that about, but there's something about the people who I can actually trust 
that I have such a deeper connection to because I know they're not just blowing sunshine out my ass for to make me feel good or they don't want to hurt my feelings or I hope you're not mad. Like, I just don't have time. Like, I'm not mad. If I was mad, I would tell you. Like, I am emotionally trustworthy. You could trust that if I was pissed, you'd know it. Yes. So let's talk about internal boundaries. So this, this is the way we relate to ourselves. And I brought up the trustworthiness because it goes both ways. It's how we relate to others. And do we follow through with the things that we say we're going to do for ourselves? Whether that's working out, sleeping enough, hydrating more, going to the gym, whatever. Whatever the things are that you want to do for yourself. But a lot of times, you know, our own needs can get shoved down to the bottom of the to-do list, especially if we're people-pleasing and other people want us to do other things. Like there, there's something about people knowing, really knowing you. It just makes life so much easier, right? I don't like outside concerts. My friends know. They don't ask me because I'm going to say no. I don't even care who's performing. I just don't want to. Bugs, sun, forget it. People talking, I don't want to. That's it. And should my friend be offended because I don't want to go to Tanglewood because it's not my jam? No. What, what did you create, Tanglewood? Like, it's not offensive, you know? And I, I love that my friends know this about me and just don't ask me. That's fine. There's other things I want to do. I just don't want to do that. And so it is a privilege, as you said, to let people know who we are. And what our preferences are. And if my friend said, you know what, this is really meaningful to me because it was my mother's favorite band and she passed. Uh, sure. I would go to Tanglewood if my friend said, I really need you to go. I'm in my car. I'm coming. Right. So again, it doesn't mean we can't make different choices, but it's about having the ability to be true to ourselves. So internal boundaries also has to do with what we tolerate. Yes. Sure. Right. What are we tolerating? From like Bob in accounting. Is he like mentioning every day you come in and he talks about how great your gams look in that skirt or whatever? Are we just letting gross Bob do that? Because we, we don't, we know he doesn't mean anything by it. I don't care. Does it make you uncomfortable? Then you can lovingly ask Bob to stop. You don't have to punch him in the face. You can just say, I know you mean this as a compliment. I do, but I have to ask you, please. I must make a simple request, Bob that you stop mentioning what I have on every day. It is making me very uncomfortable. And I really like you and our working relationship, and I wouldn't want that to come between us. There's a way to say it. There's a whole chapter of scripts in the book, but I put it at the end of the book because here's the thing. We could have sat here this whole time and just talked about scripts. Mm -hmm. It will not do you any good if you do not do the internal work that we're talking about. If you don't understand why you are the way you are, because you are, are the way you are for so many good reasons. We were all raised in dysfunctional stuff. If yeah. you came from an abuse background, an addiction background, and even just a, a background where there, it was like um, highly structured and there was all of these high expectations of what you would do and who you would become, all of those, every every <laughs> disordered family system that you could describe I could find a way that that creates disordered boundaries and creates the disease to please and codependency and all of this other stuff in adulthood, because I've seen it millions of times in my career where it's not just, oh, an addict, a family with addiction in it. That's the thing that's good. No, 
there's a million scenarios that create the same thing or the similar thing, which is self-abandonment. We don't keep our word to ourselves. We say we're going to do this and then a friend in need calls and we forget yoga and we go help the friend or whatever it is. And I think that we you have to get really honest with yourself about how are your internal boundaries? Right. Do you take on the feelings of others? Do you feel unduly responsible for other people's choices, situations, problems, issues, feelings? Do you? Well, then you're probably codependent. Yes. And that's dis and at the base of codependency is what? Disordered boundaries. Mm, yeah. Well, I I exactly wanted to go there because when you were mentioning offense earlier about whether your friend should be offended about you not wanting to go to an outdoor concert, I was thinking about like offense and boundaries. And sometimes we don't want to send boundaries because we don't want to offend, and that's yes. codependency. And then also I think if we set a bound if someone sets a boundary with us and we immediately feel offense yeah that like how does the boundary fit in with ourselves about like okay i choose not to be offended about this and then making that decision is different than actually how i feel yeah um, so i wonder how that's all wrapped up and then how codependency plays into that because i imagine that it that it would it does but he, here's the thing about being offended what we're gonna do in this process those of you who are listening and you're like i don't even know where to start you do you're going to do your okay and not okay list. You're going to do your resentment inventory. And then you're going to start observing yourself. And as Deepak Chopra would say, right? You're going to observe yourself without judgment. You're going to get radically curious about why am I so pissed that this person said no to me? Now, the moment they said no, I can tell you my old self would be going through the list of all the crap I've ever done for them thinking what nerve they got to say no. After I've done this, I helped them move. I did this thing. Do I want to be a bean counter like that? Would that? Did that make me feel good when I used to be that way? No. It made me feel like a petty jerk, right? Like, so if they don't do what I want, then I'm mad at them. When you become the observer without judgment, you can become curious and go, huh, so what is happening right now? Why am I so mad? And when I was a real people pleaser in my 20s, other people having good boundaries would piss me off because I was jealous. Wow. I was like, oh, I do all this crap I don't want to do. Why does Betty not have to do all this crap she doesn't want to have to do? You know what I mean? Huh. I was oh. like, I'm pissed because I don't honor my truth. Betty has some nerve to honor hers. And of course, you know, how I related to people with good boundaries is my boundaries got better and better changed because then they were yeah. the people I respected, I understood, and I trusted. Right. Because there's no secret weird agenda going on in their mind that they're not telling me about. Right. Right. So another thing that you can do, those of you listening, if you feel like, oh, this feels very threatening to say no or to step back or whatever, is we can always set boundaries with kindness. Yes. You can always start, especially if it's people that I love, right? I don't need to slam you into next week. I don't want to. I always will start with something that's true, but an appreciation. Like, I thank you so much for thinking of, I love that you always think of me and reach out to make plans. And I'm not available on that Wednesday, but maybe we can do it two weeks from now or whatever. Whatever the thing is, you can start with sweetness. 
So don't think of it as like some brutal confrontation because it doesn't have to be. And whatever energy that you deliver that request or that you say that no with is the energy that's going to be received. So I teach you in the book how to sort of walk through what I call a proactive boundary success plan where you really know who you're talking to, right? If this is like your mother, you know your mother. If this is your best friend, you know your best friend, right? You're going to think about when's the best time to talk to them. If they're not a morning person, it's not going to be in the morning then, right? So we, we set it up to be successful. We identify what the boundary is or what the conversation is. We do a whole visualization around it going well. And when I say it going well, I don't mean the other person doing what you want. I mean, you having the courage Mm -hmm. to tell the truth about how you feel, to ask for what you need, to negotiate, to get what you want, to negotiate for your preferences. That is something to celebrate. And your healing comes from that, not from what the other person does or says, because what the other person does or says is their side of the street. And what you do and say is yours. And if they get mad, you can handle it. You're not that fragile. If they're like, I'm very disappointed, you can say, I see that. And I'm really sorry that you are. And yet this is a boundary that I have to stick to. I love you. I'm sorry that you're upset. And yet I still am going to travel over Christmas break instead of coming home. That's it. It doesn't have to be this big cutoff. It doesn't have to be, it's okay. Sometimes people are not going to like what we choose to do in life. And we can still love them and we can survive that. I always have this 48-hour rule that when you make a boundary with someone, you're not allowed to go back on it or do anything for 48 hours because the most natural thing in the world is to want to take it back. <laughs> Actually, no. Just, just want to do over. You just want to be like, you know what, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, how many times do we mention something? Well, I mean, I would have appreciated blah, blah, blah. And the person's like, okay, well, I can do that now. And you're like, forget it. It's too late. Or, or it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Stop with the mixed messages. Yeah. If somebody wants to correct their behavior, allow them. Mm. If someone says, I didn't know you felt that way. It won't happen again. Say, thank you. That really makes me feel loved. Thank you. I really appreciate that effort. That makes me feel loved. This is what keeps people's behavior changing. And treating you the way you want to be treated. And it's the same thing with others. Hear them. Yeah. If they say no, you can, and you are disappointed. It's okay to say, listen. I can respect your no end. I'm really sad that you're not going to be there on Sunday because it really mean you, you mean a lot to me, but I I respect it's your decision to make. And if someone says you're guilting them, no, as long as you mean that it's not guilt, it's truth telling, you know? Yeah. I feel like what I'm hearing through this is kind of a re definition of, of kindness because it is kind to be honest and it is kind to be direct and it is kind to be clear. It's not just kind to do what other people want to do all the time. Like it's just a shift in how we think about that. That's like really coming through for me. It's, it's really powerful. It's really beautiful. 
Absolutely. That the, if that's the that's probably the biggest takeaway from this conversation is if you just shift your mind around setting boundaries, that is literally the most loving and courageous mm. thing that you will ever do. And if you want epic relationships, it's mandatory. Yes, yes. Oh, beautiful. I can't wait to read my copy. I ordered it this morning. So yeah. I'm very excited. But I would love for you to just let everyone know where they can get their copy, where they can connect with you, what you've got going on. I know you were mentioning you're doing a boot camp, but tell us all the things. I am. Well, it depends on when this episode is dropping. So, well, okay. You tell me and then we'll make it happen. Cause I think, I think our audience needs this. Yes. I have boundary boot camp coming up at the end of May. So I believe it starts the last week of May. Um, We'll air it before then. We'll put that in the show notes for you guys. Cool. Super exciting. It's an eight week, like super life transforming course. I have taught it for years. And every single year I get feedback from the people who take it and I make changes. So it's not like, Hey, I did it once in 2015. Yay. No, I've changed it every single year because I also get better and better as a teacher. And I learn more and more. My God, writing the book changed the course so much because I was just so intimate with this stuff for so long. So anyway, that's super exciting. And people can find me at terrycole.com. I also have a gift for your audience. So I want you to pick what the URL is going to be. It's boundary. It's boundaryboss.me forward slash. So is it calm mom now? Is that what we're talking about? Or is it motherhood? Calm mom. Yep. All right. So you you guys, you're going to find your gift at, ter- at boundaryboss.me forward slash calm mom. And this is actually a video and a, a PDF like with questions and stuff about codependency and boundaries. So this will deepen sort of your understanding of like, where are you right now on this spectrum? Because I find that a lot of times there's a lot of confusion about what codependency is and people don't identify with it because your audience is probably a lot like mine, which are like highly capable. Yes. So we go codependent. No, everyone's dependent on me, buddy. What are you talking about? I make all the money. I make all the decisions. I'm bossing everybody around. What do you mean? (laughs) And I was like, oh, my clients don't know what codependency is. And actually that's the book I'm writing right now is on this terminology that I created called high functioning codependency. Because that's who I was. That's who my people are. That's probably who your people are, where nobody would look at you and be like, oh yeah, you're such a codependent. No, but you are and you're suffering. And I was, and I was suffering. So this book is going to do a lot for codependency, sort of like what I did for boundaries with the first book in shining a light on what it really is and the specific behaviors that are just draining us dry and burning us out. And we're getting autoimmune disorders and TMJ and all this other crap. We don't understand why. But after 25 years in the trenches, I can tell you why. And I can tell you how to get to heal from it, which is what that whole book is going to be about. So if you guys want your free gift, you're going to get it at boundaryboss.me forward slash com mom. And I would love to hear what you think about it. Beautiful. That is so, I love that idea. Thank you so much. We'll be, I'm going to go check that out. And I'm just so grateful for your work. I think it's so important, this book. And then I can't wait to read the one about codependency because 
I think I can probably relate to a lot of that in my motherhood and in my marriage um, and with my own parents, probably still just something, a life journey of working through. So um, grateful for you, grateful for your voice in this space. And thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. If you love mommy's polygraph, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Oh,